for the next sort of 10 years for me, I just want to make sure I find exactly what I want, whether I pay more or sell less or whatever. It sort of doesn't really matter. I just want my next 10 years to be really comfortable. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey, everyone. It's Sam here from Elite Agent. It's hard to believe that it's almost the end of another real estate year, but it's fast approaching. And joining me today to recap all that's happened in the past month or so is Matt LaHood from the agency. Matt is back as part of a regular podcast series that we like to call Behind the News, where we look at the headlines of recent real estate news stories and unpack what they mean for the industry in practice. So welcome back to the show, Matt. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, geez, it's another year at the end of the cycle. It's come real quick, hasn't it? We were just talking about offline, but like just feeling a little bit of a long December coming. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit of a crawl to the finish line. Yes. (laughs) Merry Christmas, I I should say that. You too, and to all the viewers and listeners as well. Yeah. We've had great support from all your listeners and viewers and yourself. Thank you for having us on through the year. Yeah, no, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. So I want to get into some of the big stories. And as I said, the promise of the show is to sort of go a bit deeper. Before we kick into the big stories and obviously a bit of Christmas cheer, because I have some of that planned for you as well. (laughs) The agency has been making a fair share of headlines this month. We're actually going to talk a little bit about the agency today. So the first one is, you know, another one of our podcast family regulars, which is Steve Carroll. So he's now joined the agency as GM of Sales for Queensland. So I have to ask, Matt, was that the podcast that you two were on together? Was it Elite Retreat? (laughs) Completely not, Sam, as funny as that (laughs) sounds. A few people have asked me the same thing because I've appeared with Steve on a number of things just by chance. but. Look, we advertised that role and it's quite honoured the people that did apply and we had some really good candidates. But when Steve came along, I think he trumped the group just not because I know him personally and or our exec team know him as well, but it's really exciting to have a business where you're able to try some different things and having someone outside the industry but inside the industry. And it's been so well received, not just with our Queensland team that he's managing, but the whole company knows of him. and. We've already had people reaching out to him from all different parts of Australia in our group. So we're just excited because, you know, someone of his calibre, I think we usually, and I'm guilty for it, like looking inside the real estate circle for real estate people that have listed and sold houses and man. But Steve's come with a completely different lens over our business from where he comes from. That's what excited me about it. He knows all the back end and what excites vendors, what excites agents, what excites buyers, which it's probably an angle we've never been able to apply to the business before. So with that, plus his enthusiasm, plus his dedication to charity and a whole lot of things that he just went straight to the front of the interview cycle, you know. So does this mean, speaking of charities, that uh, we're going to find you on a bike ride next oh, year? I mean, Jeff Lucas is good at all that sort of stuff. I'll leave that to him. <laughs> I don't think I'd make it around the corners. <laughs> Although we'll be working at the gym with my good friend Trent Langlands over the break, 
to uh, sharpen up, but there won't be any bike rides. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, I keep trying to avoid it with Steve too, and I've got this fantastic <laughs> bike at home that goes nowhere. It's called a Peloton. Yeah. Maybe you and I can ride virtually. Yeah, with absolutely. Them I think that sounds like good that. to me. Yeah. I'm like absolutely. one of the waves from the bleachers when they're going past, you know, like at the uh, congratulations, well done. That's me. That's with me. coffee in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> you, and me, anyway. you and me both. All right, so let's dive into some of the other headlines, including interest rates, which have been a key theme again this month. So the rises of recent months have been a little less aggressive than the approach taken earlier this year, which has been good. But what sort of impact do you think that's likely to have on the market over Christmas? Well, Sam, the one that just went through literally an hour ago, look, it's not unexpected. I think the good thing about the media, you know, there's obviously good and bad and everything, but I don't think we've ever been in society exposed to so much media around interest rates and it's a you know as soon as it happens it's like 30 seconds later it's on everyone's phone via apple news or google news or whatever it's everywhere so it's not like the economy and home buyers and mortgage takers aren't expecting it so that's a good thing the bad thing is the actual real impact now i'm 33 years in real estate i can't remember when they actually put them up in december and I know we haven't had an interest rate rise for 12 years, but I have been in the game for 33 and I lived through the 18, 19%. So I'm really intrigued to see the inflation must just not be curbing. And I'm not an economist by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm obviously watching and on the market, listening to all the, the people that are involved in this side of the economy. And they're obviously, it's a big issue that this inflation's not cost of living still going up, petrol food prices. I see airline prices through the roof. Someone said to me this morning that they were just looking at a flight to Melbourne, $1,170 return or so to Melbourne, oh. like just for the week at Christmas. Yeah. Standard economy, that's like business class sort of cost, isn't it? You know, at the end of the day, then you got on top of that, you got to get to hotels and you got to stay and you got to go out and potentially eat out, et cetera. So just a local holiday or destination across Australia plus these interest rates, plus the cost of living, plus petrol, et cetera. I think it's going to bite, Sam. I think we'd be kidding head in sand if we didn't think it was going to take some impact. I noticed discretional spending just from a report CBA put out in terms of services of the curve starting to drop on that. Goods still seem to be strong, but I noticed services were coming off. Yeah. And then that's like the normal, like the movies and all the things we do, like that extracurricular activities, whether it's theme parks on holidays and things like that. I think a lot of those things will probably feel that that interest rate rise in the next month or so. Well, it's super interesting because the numbers for Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales aren't out. The Retail Association still thinks that they're going to be good. They're being very bullish about spending over Christmas. But what's really interesting that I've noticed Again, because I'm on this renovation journey, which, you know, we seem to talk about every time. <laughs> but we've gone from a situation where you couldn't get a tradie for six months to, yeah, I'll be around at nine o'clock in the morning. That's a phenomenon that I didn't see coming. And it's quite interesting you were saying that. I think the issue we're seeing is a lot of these developments have been put on hold where a lot of the builders may have been committed and these developments have been putting on hold. Is that sort of the feedback you've been getting as well? I'm maybe getting that, you know, instead of that 
big sort of let's work on the place, let's work on the place, let's work on the place that people might be starting to saving their money, starting to save their money a little bit more. Yeah, not renovating right now, just making good what you've got. And I think uh, definitely a lot of the developers that had bought sites like a year or two ago are probably holding off doing those, which has probably loosened up a lot of the builders that might have been committed to those projects over the next 12 months or so. Yeah, well, I might get my wall knocked out, you know, sometime in January after all. You might be swimming in that pool sooner (laughs) rather than later, Sammy. (laughs) We can only hope. Just on the, the last little bit about interest rates, you know, I'm sure that Philip Lowe, the governor of the Reserve Bank of Australia, I'm sure it's more than tea and bickies, which we often joke about in the brief, you know, that the RBA sort of got together for their monthly touch base and someone poured the tea and someone brought the Tim Tams and team meeting. He's actually just this week, or was it, it might have been late last week, issued an apology to customers who may have taken out mortgages in the belief that we wouldn't see hikes until 2024, which was something in a lot of his speeches, he was quite firm about. What do you make of that apology? I think there was a lot of heat because it just kept getting mentioned at every point in time. I think it's always good if you make a mistake in any sort of business, you know, whether it's if you're in economics, if you're in any form of business and you own your mistake, I think it's a good thing to do that. Whether people, I'm not too sure how many people put their hand up and sort of prepared to blame him for the reason they took a loan out. I mean, I certainly... Wouldn't have listened to him either way if I was looking at upgrading a home, you know, either way personally. But I mean, it's easy. I think everyone looks for someone to blame, but I think he's put his hand up. He's owned it. That just goes to show you the economy is more powerful than the Reserve Bank effectively. And the world economic, the pressures that we have are also more prominent on deciding the future rather than what's coming out of their mouth, I guess. That's probably the long and short of it. So whether you'd listen to their predictions next time or not, I think probably lost credibility on that for sure. I think, Sam, too, a lot of people got to look at, I mean, when you're taking a home loan out is why you're doing it, what's the length of time. I've had loans off and on, you know, for 30 years. And if you're not selling the property and you're keeping it and you're within budget, probably really irrelevant at the end of the day. It's got to live somewhere, whether you're rent or you're paying a mortgage, you're paying a bit more here and there, as long as you're building that into the equation. I think most people, the bank's are very good in Australia in the mortgage brokers. They do that now. It's part of the process. So whether you'd be running out listening to what Philip Lowe said or not, I don't know really how many people took his word as gospel anyway. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't. And, you know, there's a heap of sense there in what you're saying, but it's hard to tell what runs through the mind. One lesson we should all take from it is if you're in a position where people are listening and responding to your advice, you should be really careful and have, always have a caveat on anything you mention because he's not in control of the world pressures. So yeah. effectively, that's what looks like it's causing this inflation. But it's no different to sort of, you know, someone on Facebook influencing someone else or yeah. Instagram influences and things like that. Maybe if there's a cautionary tale in all of this, it's, you know, yeah, sure, listen to these people, but then, you know, make your mind up on your own information. Well, if we reduce this down to real estate, I mean, it's no different to an agent saying, I'm going to get you a certain price to a vendor. We're in a business that's governed by the economy. Price is determined by the best buyer, obviously, in the period of time that can perform, cash buyer, et cetera. That's no different to really Philip Lowe's comment, is it? Yeah, no different at all. 
So let's take a look at the auction numbers. So as we head towards the Christmas break or crawl or or walk or whichever whichever (laughs) mode of transport you're taking, auction numbers have been increasing, but nothing like what we were seeing at this time last year with the present volumes around 2,500. Actually, I've been quite surprised that numbers have still been on the up and up and up towards the end of the year. Just prior to Christmas 2021, they were just shy of 5,000 auctions. So, you know, even though we're increasing, as we dropped. What does that tell you about the mindset of buyers and sellers? Well, 50%, the volume week on week, just I actually looked at it just this morning, funnily enough, volume week on week this time last year for auctions in December is 50% down in Sydney and Melbourne. So same period last year. So we've got 50% less properties effectively going to auction this year than we did last year. Now, that's probably kept the values reasonably solid because last year we had probably more buyers than we had sellers. We had the peak. Now we got probably the buyers have dropped off a bit, obviously with the interest rates, and the sellers have come right back. So that's probably, in my view, keeping the market where it is. It's come back about 10% in the 10 to 15%, I guess, around the major capital cities. South Australia, Canberra and Queensland and Perth, I guess, even Queensland and Perth are still defying. They haven't come back probably as much as Sydney and Melbourne. Perth still haven't seen a slowdown. They seem to be in a bubble there. Queensland, I still feel Sam's getting the migration from Sydney and Melbourne still. Yep, there's still people coming in, I can tell you. Absolutely. I'm talking to my agents in the Sunshine Coast, Brisbane, Gold Coast, they're all saying the buyers are still coming from Sydney and Melbourne. Steve's going to be busy. Yeah, and I think it's going to be more around the break. You'll see that intensify. So Sydney, Melbourne still, I think the confidence, to answer your question, I think the confidence out of the sellers has been knocked. They know that the premium prices are gone. So they either decide, well, hang on or reevaluate it next year. I mean, they're only going to be moving if it's of value to them to do something. If you're buying and selling in the same market, it's relevant. If you're selling in a down market, you're buying in a down market. So I think a lot of people will reassess from what I can see. I just had a call this morning from an old client of mine who had been waiting, who was going to sell probably six to eight months ago when it was flying, but they couldn't find anything. And this is a lady, she's late 60s. She's by herself widowed. She's just looking to downsize. And she just said, Matt, look, it's irrelevant because she did ring me when it was flying, but she just couldn't find anything. She said, look, for the next sort of 10 years for me, I just want to make sure I find exactly what I want, whether I pay more or sell less or whatever. It sort of doesn't really matter. I just want my next 10 years to be really comfortable. So there's that segment of the market. And I think there's a lot of those people out there that they're just going to come on the market when they're inverted commas ready. They're not trying to ride the market. And they do control a large percentile of the listing set, whether we call them boomers or downsizers. There's a big amount of that market's controlled. So the stock level's controlled in effect by that. Yeah. Is this where perhaps agents might be having more conversations next year about changeover costs? Like what is the cost of getting out of one place and into the other? I think that should happen in most markets, whether it's booming, coming back, whatever. I think it's definitely a very important place to focus, especially if you're downsizing, because a lot of the in call it retirees, I guess, they're not got income coming in. The interest rates have been low. If they've got money tied up in the bank, they're not really been getting a return. Some of them do have investments, so they've got the passive income offsetting. 
But changeover cost is a big thing. If they can sell something, I mean, I'm assuming like for say one and a half million and buy something for 750, put the 750 away. They haven't got the exorbitant cost they may have had when they had kids and so forth and things before off their hands and they're living just a standard sort of retired life and that's a good balance. So changeover costs, having that conversation can definitely influence where people are going. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of buyers and sellers, there's been a lot of discussion about investors in recent months and some would argue that they'd return to the market sooner if APRA were to lower the lending buffer. Others sort of saying rental reforms are a bit of a detriment. It's hard to find attractive a class of asset where you have such little control over it. At the same time, at the moment, we've got a rental crisis occurring and there will be a special on that in the upcoming edition of the magazine. What do you think needs to happen to encourage investors back into the market? Yeah, I think the restrictions, like you're saying, and they're dependent. They're different in different states too. There was a an expose last night I was watching on one of the current affairs shows around rents being in Sydney, where people, they were interviewing somebody who went to rent a property and it went about $75 over the asking price after they went in to look at it and, and they put in application. So what they're trying now, I think in some other states like Queensland, if I'm not wrong, you can't actually go above the asking price on the rents. And I think that might be the same in Canberra. So those restrictions being bought in, I mean, in a free market, I guess, will always impact a landlord. Most landlords, if you talk to them, they're very happy to accept a higher rent if there's competition. So the more restrictions and APRA putting on the lending, I think the LVRs too, they need to loosen those up. Let's face it, Sam, we've got the lowest vacancy rate, I think, that I can remember since I've been in the industry. And on the weekends, we're getting an average of 15 20 people coming through every single rental property and that will slow down in the next week or two because of Christmas but I can say up to with very strong confidence up to the end of November the amount of the rental crisis is incredible so if you're an investor I think even though the current restrictions what's out there whether it's state dependent I think you're still in a very strong position knowing that the higher these interest rates keep going up the less the first-time buyers are going to enter the market. So they've got to live somewhere. So if you're an investor, you're going to have a pretty strong rental return, I would say, for the next four to five years. Yeah. And really the incentive for these first-time buyers to get in. I mean, yeah, okay, you can borrow your stamp duty and string it out or whatever the structure is, but then that's built into your LVR as well as a first-home buyer. You borrow your LVR based on that stamp duty as well. That's part of your lending cost. So it's still a cost, even though it's a delayed. And effectively, I think, you know, that's not enough to encourage the first home buyers. And the the interest rates, obviously, unemployment rate is helping. The unemployment rate's definitely helping to still get the first home buyers. But the investors, whilst they're not buying first home buyers are not out there buying, the rental market's still going to be in a crisis. That's the lever I feel. When they're buying, we're going to have the vacancy rate's going to go up when we lose the first-home buyers. But this time, we've also got first-home buyers. We've also got people selling homes that have never rented before and also renting as well. I've never seen that before. And I know that's out there because, as you know, my kids are both in the leasing team. So I speak to them every day around what's happening, who's renting, who rented this, who rented that. I like to know the information 
to stay relevant. And I know that there's a lot of people that have never rented before that are renting now. They've sold their properties. They're waiting. They don't want to sign up another mortgage. They'll go and rent, decide, maybe keep themselves a bit free from their next purchase, maybe have not been able to find something in terms of buy. So they've decided to rent. So that's also creating a crisis. We've usually had people that would sell and buy something straight away. They'd never hit the rental market. So there's a large percentage of people now that are not buying straight away after they're selling and they're going straight into the rental market. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's not helping things either. Yeah. Yeah. Someone suggested to me the other day, I can't remember who it was. I'd say who it was, but suggested that we should abolish stamp duty for investors to get more of them back in. That's actually very clever. However, what I don't understand with the government is why don't they just try what, like, why don't they say from the fin year 2023 to 24, we're going to abolish just in that period. They don't have to do it. They're either one way or no way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that requires, I don't understand the laws that may require a, something to be passed through Parliament or whatever, but what if you just did it for 12 months? Years ago, do you remember when they said to people, if you had a property that had a capital gain on it, that you could sell it, put it into your super capital gains tax free. Do you remember when they did that? Everyone yeah. was selling their investment properties and putting the super. Anyone sort of over 55, there was all these listings were coming on the market and it boosted people's super fun. Smart strategy. It only did it for 12 months or thereabouts that time. That's sort of entrepreneurship in our government sort of lacking, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's quite right. You know, like we all get into this mindset of, oh, we have to be careful what lever we pull because who knows how that might affect things. But what you're saying is quite clever as well as not to think of it as something that necessarily needs to be forever. Yes. But let's just test this and yeah. see if it works out. Whether they criticise JobKeeper or not, I mean, no one had a book on how to run a COVID economy, but that stimulus in hindsight at the time saved how many people? We don't know, right? We'll never know. But this is just a stimulus idea, isn't it? You know, come in with a stimulus to get investors back out there. Because it's much smarter because it takes the pressure off the government to go and find the housing anyway. If they yeah. don't get the investors in, they're going out to have to build houses. And yeah. we know how hard that is. Very true. So while we're talking market conditions, there's another little statistic which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I think it came out of CoreLogic actually that even though things have slowed a little, days on market right now are still a little bit lower than they were during the height of the pandemic. Is that something that you're seeing in the agency at the moment? Look, I think why that's happening, I'm not seeing it right across the agency, and don't forget because we're in all states now, so it's not a blanket thing, but I have seen owners, I think what's causing that, Sam, if you're going pound for pound, there's owners out there that have adjusted reasonably quick. There's still the owners that are looking for the price six months ago. But I think what's fueling this is the opportunity with the time. When the time of the year comes like it does and the window sort of closes on to do things, I think the owners that are very clever and have got their focus on buying something are taking those offers that are coming in prior to auction. I think the auction market, we're seeing a lot of things sell prior all of a sudden. And on the private trading market, because these numbers could be, I'm not sure whether they're private treaty or auction, but let's assume they're both and a blended number of days on market. If their owners are deciding to price them well, there's still a, a strong market. 
And you've got to remember too, with the interest rates, let's say a month ago prior to today, somebody had their finance approved, ready to go. That buyer wants to move quick because in another month, their borrowing capacity might change again with this new interest rate rise. So there's still the buyers out there that got approved because you don't want to go through that approval process again. If it's approved until the current rate is where it is, they're sort of looking at it like I've got to buy now sort of thing. Yeah. And lock that loan in because I think, you know, you're locking in now and maybe if we're covering off, I'm not sure. But the other thing that I'm getting asked constantly about is these fixed loans that are coming off, you know, the fixed loan period that people locked in at 1.9% and these fixed loans are coming off. And as far as I'm seeing, CBA put something out into the market the other day where the peak of that, that is in December 23. So yeah. one year from literally this month that we're speaking today, December 22, we're going to see the peak of the CBA's loan book, those fixed rates coming off from 1.9 going to market. Now we know prior to today, that's about 5%, might be five and a quarter. So that's a gap of nearly three and a quarter percent differential. Now I think the average loan in Australia across the board, I was told somewhere around that 700 mark. It might be higher in some of the capital cities. Let's assume at 700 and you do the mathematics from 2% to 5%, well, something's got to give for the interest component of that loan. That's going to hit pockets. So whether it's restaurants, spending, holidays, new cars, something's got to give there. And plus the other thing we've got to remember too, which I'm constantly hearing now too, is the price someone paid two years ago, three years ago, to what it's worth today on that boom. So we've got potentially negative equity in some of these properties and their rates are going up on top of that. Mm. A lot of these properties peaking may be worth less than they paid and they'll be paying 3% more interest on them. Yeah. So let's look at that in isolation. A lot of people may not want to hold on to those. Yeah. So given all of this, where do you think leaves the real estate industry for 2023? When you and I pick up again in sometime in February after the Reserve Bank have come back from their holiday and all the rest of it, what are we going to be talking about in a couple of months' time? I think from what my research is showing, and I really look at these things in depth because when you're leading a team, I need my team to have the right information so they can go to their clients and give them the right information. And I really study this, what I've sort of looking at and just my view, a caveat, a Philip Lowe caveat on. My view is that I think we've got strong employment, so we've got very low unemployment. The challenging bit here, Sam, from what I'm hearing from the experts is a lot of people's loans were paid in advance and that sort of buffer's come right off now since COVID. So that buffer they're saying is about three months now left on the advance. So let's say, let's get through Christmas. I think a lot of people's buffer in January, February is going to go. The interest rates potentially will bite. I know it's ridiculous thinking it's going from 3 to 5% is such a big difference. But if you go back when the interest rates were 17, 12% to 19, and everyone was making a big dance about the actual average mortgage borrowed amount was a lot less pro rata. It's a lot higher today. So the rates moving, okay, it does not a lot, like if you say 2% to 5%. But the actual volume of borrowings is a lot larger today than they were 30 years ago, right? It's all relevant. So that's where I think it's biting. So I think we'll be talking about a lot of people coming on the market very early. 
next year, wanting to get that buyers that missed out post-Christmas. I think we're going to see that because I'm just looking at what our agents are listing and what their owners are saying to them, what the behaviour is. I think if you're looking at the CBA's guidance around those loans, fixed loans expiring, they're peaking in December next year. Those owners won't be waiting to refinance in December. We all know that. So they're going to pull two levers, right? They're going to say, I can't hold this. The rates are gone from 2%, 5%, my loan's a million bucks, whatever. They're going to sell. They won't be waiting till December. They'll be doing their numbers around mid-year, I would think. So let's say post-Easter. And if you have a look, Easter's the 7th of April this year. So we don't have a big window. If you're coming back to put your property on the market, unless you're sort of on, I guess, first week of Feb, you're not settling till after Easter. That's always the thing is people then say, when am I going to settle? I want to get in before Easter. I get in before Christmas. As ridiculous as that sounds, I'm not even in Christmas. But these are the things I have to look at in from a leadership position is so we can guide our clients because no one's thinking of Easter at the moment. But if you're selling a house, you need to be thinking of Easter because it's the 7th of April. Now, that means that if you don't come on the market, I suppose, and have your property off and on before the end of March, you're probably not selling till June, unless you want to put your place on the market through Easter. You could come on, I guess, then I'm looking at sort of school holidays. So May, June, you're sort of coming into that period. So if you're not off and on before March, you're selling in May, fair call. Yeah. Unless people are prepared to open during, either have their first open during Easter and then Anzac Day or have your campaign through the middle, I think April's potentially... So I think you're going to see this crescendo of properties come on prior to the 7th of April, a gap. And then I think these fixed loans that are coming off will be exiting out post-Easter. Now, they're yeah. either going to sell. They're either going to refinance and stay, and they're going to have to stay for a while because a lot of those properties that were boom prices won't be coming back. I think it's realistic to say minimum five years. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Just from my experience, it's the biggest boom I've ever seen in 33 years of my real estate since school. I've never seen a bigger boom. And some of the prices I stood at the auctions and saw, I'm thinking these people must be buying for a long, long, long time. And I mean, people did throw a bit of caution to the wind there with the prices. So I think we could be talking about an interesting spike. Let's look at the spike after Christmas, everyone running on and trying to get out. And that's only the Commonwealth Bank's stats. They're the biggest, okay? I think they got one in four home loans. But, I mean, then you got NAB, Westpac. I don't know the other stats. I just happen to see their report. Let's assume it's a thread that's consistent. We're potentially going to see people either refinancing or selling. I think it's going to be 50-50. I think people will sell because they'll just think, I don't want to put up. Unless their income's going up, we're constantly hearing about the wages are stagnant. Where do you get the extra money from? You have to cut something out. Now, it's cutting out investment properties. It's cutting out the holiday house. It's cutting out holidays. So it's this knock-on effect, isn't it, Sam? Like you cut something out and that cuts the economy out of something else. And this is the juggling act that these people have of how they run the economy. It's controlled by interest rates. So you pull the lever, it slows down, but then what do you do? You're going to have to come back again and speed it up again at some stage. And any given point in time, you can only do your best as well. Like we do our best, they do their best. and Yeah, in the middle. But anyway, it's nearly time for the big guy in the red suit to come. Oh, and 
I've been doing a bit of Christmas trivia with everyone. So <laughs> far away. <laughs> let's see how Matt LaHood goes. Oh, no. This is going to end in a disaster, Sam. I can tell you now. As soon as you did that, <laughs> I'm gone. I've got my reindeer ears on. Okay, here we go. Rapid fire, right? Okay, go. What's the best selling Christmas single of all time? Oh, it'd be Mariah Carey, wouldn't it? No, go <laughs> back in time. Yeah. I'm dreaming. No, Bing Crosby. Okay. <laughs> no, done. Okay, two other most popular names for Santa Claus. Did you say other popular names? Yeah. No, too slow. In the episode of Friends. <laughs> Not my strength. <laughs> In the episode of Friends, the one with the holiday armadillo, who dresses up as the armadillo? Oh, I never watched the show of Friends. Can you give me some stack questions here? <laughs> I hopefully Anne Pilkington does better than you. Well, she's a lot smarter than me. Okay, here's an easy one. In Home Alone 2, who does Kevin run into in the hotel lobby? Oh, okay. I did watch that. That was good fun, that show. Mm. <laughs> nah, just... Orange face, big hair. No. Nah. <laughs> Donald Trump, let's move Donald on. Donald Trump. Okay. All right. True or false? Die Hard is a Christmas movie. That one is false. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I would say Die true. Hard. Fight me. Okay. Right. Well, what was the song played at the end of Die Hard? Yeah, true. Yeah, not my strengths. <laughs> okay. Hopefully Anne trumps me just for her sake. <laughs> Are they the All same right. questions? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to okay. ask her the same questions. When do the 12 days of Christmas start? Sam. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas Day, actually. Everyone thinks oh, really? it's 12 days before Christmas. But yeah, it's right. Christmas Day, yeah, Christmas I guess. Day. Wouldn't it be, yeah, you'd think so, I guess, yeah. All right. Easy one. Elvis, if Bing Crosby was all about the white Christmas, what colour was Elvis Presley's Christmas? <laughs> A hint? Can, you, can I push the buzzer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's it. Time's up, Matt Lord, I think that was about zero out of ten. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Hey, just as well. Just as well, that ain't my strength. <laughs> yeah, just, Next time I'll have the wife uh, standing behind me or something. She's good at all this stuff. <laughs> it's a good thing that you're good at real estate. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, that's debatable. <laughs> Finally, on the topic of the big man in the red suit, and while I'm sort of, you know, in my very fetching ears, have you asked for the big man for anything for Christmas? Oh, Sam, you know, I've got to say one thing. I'll give you a straight answer on that. I reckon I'm the luckiest person around. I've got some of the best friends, family, staff, team, support people around. I'd be greedy asking for anything else, honestly. Like I'm not a material sort of person, don't need the fancy stuff and things. That I'm just happy if everyone's happy and just having their best version of themselves. I'm very lucky. I can't ask for anything else. Everything, I've had the best run in real estate. I mean, this business, is it's a startup and was tough. It's always hard. Everything I've worked in, though, every business I've been in is tough and hard. But come through and just get the select group of people with us that we've got. People you know, working, obviously, with you all year and that elite retreat. If I go back through the year, Steve Carroll, I mean, what else could I want? You know, health is really the only wealth. But Touchwood um, had a few tests last week and all come through so far. So I'm just going to get a bit fitter over Christmas. That's probably what I would ask for. Yeah, (laughs) I reckon that's an excellent Christmas wish. And I guess to wrap up once again, thank you so much for your support over the year. And thank you for coming on this show regularly and so generously sharing your knowledge and wisdom and 
everything like that, not just with your people at the agency, but with the whole industry. It's been amazing. If there was one thing that you'd like to leave people with for the year, what would it be? I think with all the noise around, Sam, is just be kind to everyone, not necessarily your family. I think it's just there's a lot of people doing it tough. There are. I'm not talking about people on streets and dumping over people standing right next to you, you know, working with us and everyone's got challenges. I'd like to leave everyone, just be kind. If you've got some extra apples in your fridge, give them out. You know, there's no point being the richest person in the cemetery. My belief is just whatever you can do to help people be kind. I think it's a big thing. Yeah, amazing. Matt LaHood, Merry Christmas. Thanks, Sam. Thanks so much again. And if I can quickly say something for what you do, a lot of people don't see what you do for the industry and how genuine you are. And that's the reason I'm actually linked with you because you and Mark, you're not doing this for any other reason than just to provide a docking station for the industry and create a better industry. So people need to know that. I've seen it. That's why I'm a big supporter of yours. So thank you. Thank you and all the best for a great holiday. Merry Christmas to everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joinelitagent.com. 